Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for February 11th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we get an update on progress at the new Northeast Rice Research and Extension Center in Poinsett County. We hear from a poultry and cattle grower about preparing for freezing winter weather, and we talk to a farmer and veteran about his specialty crop business. And we also get our weekly update about what's happening at the 2021 legislative session. First up, Arkansas Farm Bureau's Keith Sutton talks to Tim Burcham, director of the Northeast Rice Research and Extension Center, who gives us an update about the ongoing work at this new facility in the of Arkansas's northern rice growing region. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today I'm very pleased to have as my guest Dr. Tim Burcham, who is director of the Northeast Rice Research and Extension Center in Poinsett County. Welcome, Dr. Burcham. How are you today? Good morning, Keith. Uh, doing great today. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, visit with you and uh, your listeners today. So we're look, looking forward to the time that we have to share together. Well, the same here. It's always a pleasure when we get to visit and uh, hear more about what's going on up in northeast Arkansas with this new research center. Uh, yes, sir. It's hard to believe. It's It doesn't seem like it was that far back, but Back way back in the summer of 2019, you were uh, selected as the director for the new center, and here we are already, almost two years away from that. Uh, tell us a little bit, if you would, about the center and uh, what its purpose is, so our listeners will better understand what the center is all about. Well, absolutely, Keith, and. So, uh, you know, since I joined the, the division in 2019, uh, it's been a, been a, a full-blown, a full-row uh, deal to uh, to get things moving as far as the station goes. Uh, back in 2017, uh, the division uh, had purchased this farm that is about 14 miles south of Jonesboro. Uh, we actually have a Harrisburg address, and uh, so we're on, along Highway 1 there. It's a 600-acre property. Uh, we have a 32-acre uh, reservoir that's in situ there. And so uh, we finished our land leveling component uh, back uh, this past summer, finished that up. Uh, we have six zero-grade fields that we have in place there, a number of other fields that are uh, set at one-tenth one -tenth per hundred foot, uh, and one uh, field that was not leveled that uh, we'll use kind of as our check uh, from the standpoint of looking at some of the effects of cut with regard to yield on some of our rice crops. So I've been working really full-time with Dr. Chris Henry uh, since uh, we got our land leveling completed and drainage components put in place to, you know, to move forward uh, with our irrigation implementation. You know, from a standpoint of what the, the center provides for us, of course, uh, Poinsett County, Cross County, now some of the highest uh, rice acreage counties in the Arkansas Delta, and so the opportunity to be in Poinsett County, one of the you know one of those counties that has uh, significant rice production, but also the Henry Silt Loam soils that are featured here, Keith. Uh, this, the uh, University uh, Division of Agriculture does not have any experiment stations that have this particular soil type. So one of the key things for the establishment of the Northeast Rice Research and Extension Center 
is to give us some feedback with regard and a research base with regard to these predominant silt loam soils that we're operating on here. So that is uh, one of the key factors in establishing this new center. And I know uh, y'all have been so busy at work for the past couple of years almost uh, trying to get everything ready. Has, uh, I'm sure this year with, with all the pandemic and things like that, it maybe slowed down your progress a little bit, but has that really had any dramatic effect on what y'all are trying to get done? Well, Keith, I would say that certainly there's been some impact. I would say that the primary impact for us as far as my planning horizon for myself and Mr. Chuck Culver with our development side was, as you know, we have been challenged with also uh, raising, uh, you know, private funds to establish the Northeast Rice Research and Extension Center in addition to the monies that have been set aside by the Arkansas Rice Research and Promotion Board. So uh, I would say the pandemic has, has impacted us there to some extent. Now, we've continued to move forward with uh, development projects. As far as the physical component of that, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I, I feel like that we've not been hindered in that regard. Uh, our irrigation installation, the bidding process there, uh, so far we've not been hampered with uh, hold up on, you know, on parts or items and that kind of thing with the exception of, of uh, the electrical connection that we're working with uh, uh, Craighead County Electric on. And just to give you an example there, one of the components that we're going to be using to implement the electrical components for, or in other words, the electric power for the shop building that's going up now, uh, one of those parts will not be available until April of 21. And so that gives you an example of, right. a, of COVID impact now, that timing will be okay for us because we'll have the construction started on the building at that time, but that gives you an example of, of some of the items that are beyond our control that have been COVID-related. But overall, Keith, I would say that COVID, in that, at least with the activities that I've been involved in thus far, that we've been moving forward, and just as this economy continues to move forward in, in Arkansas and in the nation as a whole, uh, we've just pushed forward, and so far I've been pleased that we can continue to move forward, even in light of the pandemic. That's uh, good news. That's very good news. I know another facet of the uh, Rice Research and Extension Center is education. This will be, uh, when it's completed, uh, probably what you could call a world-class education center. Could you talk a little bit to that, please? Absolutely. And so uh, whenever we met with the architects that that uh, designed the conceptual facility, which, you know, when it's completed, there'll be uh, 26,000 to 30,000 square foot under roof, and I'm not, in, not including the shop in that, but uh, so the, when we get the center completed, they will, have, of course, have an office complex that also has laboratories for research work. We'll also have a public space that will be an auditorium that hopefully will seat around 250 people. But also a key component in discussing our plans for the center was our educational outreach. And so the this, this center also has what I'm calling a uh, dirty classroom, in other words, a classroom where we can 
have potted plants, potted rice plants, and uh, and it also has an, a greenhouse attached to that key that allows us to have rice at various uh, stages of growth that we can share. So we're going to have a deliberate effort to work particularly with, say, the K-5 uh, age group there. Even the parking lot was designed such that buses can come in, uh, drop the children off, uh, and then uh, park uh, in the parking lot, come back around, pick them up once the activity is completed. So the education component is a critical outreach component for us. Uh, we're also uh, hopefully moving forward here in a, the, the next few months with a agriculture and natural resources educator position uh, that we can start working toward that goal uh, even before the center is completed there because uh, clearly, there's tremendous opportunities there uh, to uh, document the research activities that are going on, not only here, but at the other uh, stations that are particularly over here in the Delta region. So we're excited about uh, that opportunity coming forward. So education and outreach, uh, educating individuals with regard to rice production, particularly uh, K-12 through individuals with rice production, uh, is a key hallmark component of this new Northeast Rice Research and Extension Center. Wow. Uh, I mean, this is really uh, wonderful news for Northeast Arkansas, being able to have a facility of this kind uh, right there uh, in Poinsett County. The other stations are, I guess, both a little to the south. Stuttgart is one, and Another one at Kaiser, I believe. Uh, yeah, at Kaiser, and then also Kaiser. we have have significant rice activity down at uh, the Pine Tree Station as well. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah. yes, sir. So we've got got stations. Of course, the soil types, you know, change uh, as you go to those various stations. The Prairie for Stuttgart, of course, and uh, of course uh, Kaiser. Uh, we get into the heavier clay, the sharky clay soils there, and so the. Uh, the uh, production practices, you know, need to be modified uh, for the soil type that you're working in. So that's one of the exciting things about this station uh, being our only Henry Siltloam uh, station that's, you know, predominant for this cross-county, Poinsett County uh, heart of rice production. Well, it's good to hear that everything's uh, moving right along, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, folks, as they drive by there on Highway 1 just south of Jonesboro, before you get to Harrisburg, they'll be able to see some of the things that are happening there. And uh, hopefully, uh, not too distantly in the future, uh, maybe we'll all be meeting down there and uh, getting to see this wonderful facility. Absolutely, Keith. And uh, so, you know, we have the foundation, uh, the chain link fence for the property of the shop is, it has been completed. Uh, we have the final uh architectural drawings for the shop and are getting ready to move forward with the uh, shop construction right away. So uh, we want to get our shop, shop in place so that we can begin our research activities and tillage of the, of the land. Uh, and then we can start working on the next phase, which would be the office component, public space, and that educational space that we talked about earlier. So really an exciting time. I have the greatest job in the world. Uh, every day I wake up and there's a new challenge key. Uh, but also, also the vision of seeing a center like this develop uh, in Arkansas, you know, one of the very few new experiment stations that's going up in the United States. And, Keith, it may be the only new experiment station in the United States. 
uh, such a grand opportunity that we have uh, with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture for Northeast Arkansas, the Jonesboro region, Harrisburg. Uh, it's just a great opportunity, and we're excited, and we're going to keep pressing forward to, to make it happen. Well, having you as director of the center is uh, just a wonderful asset for our Arkansas rice farmers and uh, for our students, too, who are learning about rice farming. Uh, so we're glad to have you there, and we appreciate very much you taking time to give us an update on what's happening. Keith, thank you so much for having me on today's podcast and act on the AdCast uh, network here. And I appreciate it anytime. Anytime you'd like an update, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be glad to visit with you. We'll certainly do that. Thank you very much, Dr. Bertram. Next up, Greg Patterson checks in with Salem Springs cattle and poultry farmer Dylan Butler to talk about his preparations for predicted freezing temperatures and ice accumulations in his area and what he has to do to protect his livestock. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this special edition of Arkansas AgCast, we're talking with Dylan Butler, who runs cattle and has an extensive poultry operation with his family up in northwest Arkansas. And, and Dylan, it's super cold out there, so tell us what you guys are doing. Yes, sir. We It is cold. We're seeing the single digits in the nighttime, uh, going to be even seeing some, uh, with the wind chill, some sub-zero temperatures here towards the uh, uh, the first the next week and the weekend um, got a nice sheet of ice laying on everything right now the grass the roads everything and so life has kind of been shut down here uh, but uh, not on the farm we we're we're moving fast on the farm fast and furious because we got cattle to feed and chickens to take care of so we're doing our best right now we're just trying to keep the uh, keep the keep the stoves running correctly and uh, in the inside of the chicken houses, and we're sure paying a hefty gas bill right now, but that's just kind of part of it when you get into this kind of weather. But, uh, you know, we got the got the houses foamed up good and tight and uh, right. just doing our best as we can. On the cattle side, boy, we, uh, uh, you know, got these cows just trying to tuck them in out of the, out of the wind and the weather down in the bottoms of these hollers is as much as possible and uh having to bust ice you know morning and night and uh of course calving is starting up too for us right now so i got a bunch of heifers that are really wanting to start calving and it seems like the worse the weather gets the more they like to drop those baits so, yeah and anyway. that's, that's that's dangerous obviously that cold weather when they're calving and probably keeps you up throughout the night as well and as you said uh, it, everybody may be, you know, hunkered down in their homes, but farmers can't yeah. do that. No, sir. No, this is this is our busy time when when the weather is at its worst is when we're at our some of our busiest times, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely the case right now. So it's been 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 some long days, and it's going to be some more long days until this uh, until this thing uh, goes away. <laughs> yeah, and and usually it's you know wait a day or two and it warms up significantly, right. but looks like yeah. we're going to be in this for a full week. Any problems for you if you start losing uh, electrical power due to lines? Oh boy, down? yeah, tons of problems for us. That means we that means our poultry houses go on full fledged generator power, and which all of our poultry houses are are backed up with generator power, but. Uh, when you're running on your second door, secondary source of power, that's always a scary thing. Um, 
And so when we're running on generators, we're really, really, really hands-on making sure that the generators are not overheating, making sure that everything is functioning properly. And uh, it, it can be a scary time whenever you lose power on a chicken farm. And then it doesn't help when you have to go back to the house that night. You don't have a warm shower or, you know, anything like that. All you have is a <laughs> fireplace to keep you warm. <laughs> you know? So we've been no. into that before. Hopefully that ice don't lay on the lines too bad and give us that problem this round. But, uh, well, no no luxuries for farmers. We all know that. He's, <laughs> he's Dylan Butler uh, running cattle uh, that are fixing the calf in the coldest time of the year so far and taking care of those chicken houses. Dylan, thank you for uh, taking time to speak with us on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Absolutely. Happy to do so, and I hope everybody stays warm this time of year. Greg also spoke to Adrian Sopshire, a specialty crop farmer who operates Fruit of the Vine Farm in Mulberry and Fruit of the Vine Market in Johnson. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, our special guest is Adrian Sopshire, he is a specialty crop farmer in the Mulberry area, runs Fruit of the Vine Farm. And Adrian, welcome to the show. Hello, Greg. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. And, and of course, I want to talk about your farm. And and you've got a great, unique story about the whole thing. Um, So I'll kind of go back to the beginning there and just, just to ask you, did you come from a farming background? Well, no, I actually didn't come from a farming background. I grew up in uh, Van Buren, Arkansas, and uh, it was kind of a, you know, um, I would say suburban type area. So, uh, no, I didn't have a farming background. We had some woods and things like that around that I like to go play in, and, uh, you know, I like nature, things like that, but no farming background. <laughs> So, so you weren't sitting in the classroom with your math book propped up in a a, a farming book hidden behind it because you were bored with math. No, I, I did kind of, you know, like, you know, science, nature, bugs, that type of thing. And, you know, I like to go out and experiment in, in the woods, but... Farming wasn't something that, you know, I thought about. We we had a small garden at, you know, home. So, you know, we understood a little bit about, you know, how to grow things, but, you know, nothing major. So so what what sparked your interest then? Did you, did you go to school later on to learn about agriculture, or where did you go once you got out of high school? Well, Believe it or not, I uh, I went to the military. I didn't have too much interest. And my parents, you know, they worked at factories, things like that, which was great, and that helped us survive. And But, but I didn't want to work in a factory, and I didn't have any other, you know, background that would have given me a, uh, you know, a good living. So I went to the military, and uh, that was an experience for me. I mean – the military was something that taught me a lot. It grew me up. It taught me, um, you know, a lot of my morals, my, uh, you know, understanding of what life was, you know. So that was something that was valuable to me. But after I got out of the military, um, 
well, actually, before I got out of the military, I thought about, um, you know, possibly retiring. So I bought some uh, some land at home that, you know, I thought would maybe be able to be used for retirement at one point. But after I got out of the military is when, you know, that land became a, a idea for me that uh, why let it sit there? So I thought about that, and I thought that, you know, it shouldn't go to waste. So I started, you know, experimenting. I had friends that, you know, were farming and things like that. So I, I decided, you know, to look into it. You know, they helped me do certain things as far as, uh, you know, goats, um, you know, things right. like that helped me to, uh, can we start over again? Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Just roll right into it. No problem. I'll go three, two, one, and and you can pick up. Uh, I'll ask the question again. So you know, after what did you do after high school, and you can go from there. Okay. Right. All right. I'm sorry. I there, got no problem at all. No problem at all. Three, two, one. So so you finish up high school. Um, it's not like you're into farming or anything like that so did you go to school to learn about agriculture where where did adrian go once you got out of high school so after i got out of high school i i went into the military you know there wasn't very much opportunity around in van buren except for you know factories and things like that so i went into the military and you know that that taught me a lot of the values and different things that you know were important to me later on in life but the thing that got me into farming is before I got out of the military, I bought some some land. And, you know, the land, when I got back home, um, was something that was just sitting there. So for me, that was, you know, a waste. So um, I had friends that were uh, doing things in, in farming, and I started asking around and asking questions. I had people that were, you know, helping me in certain ways, and that's kind of how I got into it. Um, there wasn't very much out there as far as, you know, the, you know, the, the land was concerned, but uh, I got a job here in uh, Fayetteville, and because of that job, I uh, worked nights. And by working nights, you know, I had a lot of free time in the day. Right. And, uh that's when I started thinking, you know, that would be a good time for me to go out and start experimenting, you know, at the uh, the land, the you know, the area that I'd uh, purchased from my farm is at. And uh, when I got there, I realized that, you know, it wasn't very much that, you know, you could or I could do because <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to, you know, go. And so 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 describe this piece of property to the listeners because you know they're thinking Adrian probably purchased some nice cleared land you know that he's going to farm and he's decided to become a gentleman farmer but but kind of describe what you were walking into there because you've got no experience in any of this agriculture stuff. So when I got to the the land that was my property, so originally when I bought the property. I had uh, gone to it, and, of course, um, people had it, you know, landscaped out. You know, it looked nice. Maybe, you know, someone had been on it before as far as, you know, grooming it. 
And, you know, it was like, oh, it was nice. But, you know, and that's kind of why we purchased it. But when I came back to the property, you know, a little bit later, um, you know, this was maybe about 10 years, I walked up to the property and there was nothing but wilderness, you know, to me. (laughs) It was all grown up. (laughs) It was grown up. It was bugs everywhere. You know, it was like, it was not like what I remembered. And uh, so it was an interesting experience because, you know, even when you try to have some type of uh, experience in nature, you know, anything like that, you might have, you know, supplies, you have water, you have things like that. There was nothing there. So even when you try to do some type of work or build or do anything like that, you don't have access to things like water. You don't have access to, you know, anything. And so I, I started building a trying to build a house there because, you know, I figured if anything, you'd need some type of, you know, um, uh, headquarters, something that you can, you know, shelter, something that you can be inside of because it was cold actually also that day too. So, you know, that's kind of what I started looking at working on. And um, we had a, a, a padding area there. And, you know, so we started building a little farmhouse and, and that was, you know, most of the work that went on the, you know, the whole kind of summer, like a month or two. And, you know, while we were doing that, we also would go out and do little things like, you know, chopping up some, you know, <laughs> forest or vines. It was all kinds of things out there. So I went and bought me a uh, a weed eater, you know, and it was like the most powerful weed eater they had. You know, it had a saw blade on it, you know, all that type of stuff on it. And I thought that, you know, I was so, going to do So something. you were you were Paul Bunyan at that point. You had a series tool. Right. Yeah, I thought that I was going to do some damage with it. but And, you know, it did good. It chopped down, you know, a lot of things. Um, and then, but what I didn't realize is that there was a lot more nature than horsepower that I had, you know. And then I was chopping down things the wrong way because I didn't understand, you know, how to do certain things. And, it, you know, so I had a lot to learn. I was making progress, but I was making problems for myself also in the future, and I didn't realize that. So, you know, it was kind of a, a learning experience. But my whole – I bet ahead. it was because it was kind of like, you know, Daniel Boone going – a Daniel Boone experience out there where you're trying now to turn the wilderness into someplace where you can grow something, and you're learning the hard way because you're having to do things in a way that's affordable yet still very difficult. So – so how did you solve some of those problems? Did you get a bulldozer? Did you, I mean, what'd you do? Well, that was the thing. Um, it, I couldn't afford any of that right now, and it, it was hard to even get anyone with uh, big equipment to come and help me because if you didn't pay a certain amount or, you know, you didn't have a certain amount of days work, no one was just, you know, wanting to just come and, you know, do a few hundred dollars or a couple hundred dollars, even a thousand dollars worth of work, you know, it had to be a certain amount. And, you know, I I didn't really have that. So after talking to a friend and, you know, I, I had wanted to get some things to make it look like a farm also. So I looked at goats and, you know, a friend of mine that I worked with told me about some goats and, you know, kind of 
told me how to deal with them, you know, and, and they did a lot. They they cleared land. They did a lot of things. They they eat just about, people say they eat anything. That's not the case. They eat anything as far as greenery. You know, they don't eat cans or, you know, any of those things like <laughs> or anything like that. So, uh, <laughs> but if you want to talk about eating anything, they do eat any kind of shrubbery, vine, plants. Um, flour, anything like that. So, yeah, they're going to go through and just, you know, mow it down. But the other thing about them, it's always a plus and a minus. You know, they, they're hard to control. You know, you got to have proper fencing, and, you know, that's something that, you know, you'll go into later. But just in a situation where you need something cleared, you can always do things like, you know, put a uh, – uh, a, um, collar and a uh, tie down or, you know, something like that on them in an area and just make sure you watch them so they don't get tangled up too much or anything. But, you know, there's little tricks you can do like that. But, you know, just something like that is, you know, a great help to clear area out, especially when you're not around because they'll eat all day. You can take the, uh, you know, tie down off and move them around to a different area, and it works out really well, especially when you're not there. You know, so so, so, so you, had, you had goats out there, and they're clearing – a lot of the stuff for you and the and the farm is actually coming around to something that, that you know, you're thinking about, okay, maybe I can do this. So so describe to us what your farm's like now and 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 you've you've moved on and, and gotten this farm together. Well after that, you know, now it's a it's a different thing. So little things like that that happen, they they happen periodically, you know. And and let's give you a, a time lapse. So there's been probably about five to eight years of growth in you know this time frame. So doing things like that and having little tidbits of things, we built infrastructure. We we worked with different um, farm service agencies, NRCS, you know, ATRA, um, a lot of different people that helped us with programs to get watering sources, um, right. you know, tire tanks, you know, fencing, all those different things that, you know, we established. So now, as a, as a result, we have different, you know, animals that we can raise, like goats, pigs, you know, we do some cows or something like that, you know, once in a while for beef. Um, you know, we're kind of a niche farm where we have infrastructure to raise different things like chickens. Um, we might do eggs at one point. We might do meat birds, you know, different things like that because we've sectioned the farm off in different areas. We've fenced properly. We've, you know, added watering sources for the animals so that we can provide, you know, uh, basically free-range type area and, you know, for the animals to graze whenever they need to, to have the proper food sources. And, you know, me talking like this, all these things I didn't know, these were all things that I learned through friends and resources and also, you know, the programs I went through, you know, Arm the Farm programs that they provide for veterans and different services like that. So, it's been an experience and, you know, I've been kind of blessed to, you know, have those opportunities. Well, that that sounds great because I know you spent, um, you know, several years in the service and then came back and started this farm and 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 you've literally been one of the people who's learned by doing, 
and through the expertise of others who who uh, you've been able to tap into. Talk a little bit about. I know you you mentioned to me about um, you you sell online. The fruit of the vine sales are online. You also have done the farmers market stuff, but then uh, also talk about you you had the opportunity to get a place up in Johnson, Arkansas, which is up there in northwest Arkansas. Right, that's correct. Um, so yes, we've had a, a good opportunity. So from going to farming. And then to going into looking for a place to sell our products that, you know, we raised, you know, we started out in places like farmer's markets and, you know, things like that in Fort Smith. And then um, as a, a, a vendor of certain things, there was a market in Johnson, Arkansas, you know, that's off of uh, exit 69 um, in Northwest Arkansas and at 3200 Main um, Street there in Johnson and, and what it is is it was a older um, family-owned fruit stand that was on the side of the road, and a gentleman and his father had that fruit stand for about 20 years, the Bonners. And, um, you know, that was kind of a legacy fruit stand area. And um, it was, you know, one of those things where family-owned for so long and, and, you know, they had some issues and, you know, they were going to let the – the place go and the, the son didn't really know how um, or, you know, didn't have a, I guess you, you'd say an air for it to go to type of thing. So uh, he, he asked me as a uh, kind of a friend, a vendor type thing, if, you know, it was an opportunity I wanted to take on. And at the time I said, no, you know, I had too many things going on with the farm and, you know, I had my own full-time job. So right. um, what happened was, uh, I talked to another friend of mine, and he told me that I was, you know, kind of crazy because, uh, you know, it was an opportunity, and you know, I'd wanted some something that would offer me, you know, storefront type, you know, service or you know, area to sell my product, and sure. you know, so I went back and I talked to him about it. You know, we we came to an agreement, and you know, Fruit of the Vine Market was born, and you know, it was a uh, kind of a carry-on from that, that Bonner fruit stand. And, you know, we wanted to keep that family legacy going for that area. You know, that was something that provided local fruits and things throughout the uh, summer seasonally. Um, and we decided also to try and take that more from seasonal to, you know, type, uh, you know, a year-round type of market. And, you know, so now we try to sell, you know, seasonal fruits and vegetables that go throughout the year. And, you know, we sell things like meats, eggs, honeys, jams, um, um, you know, just the different things that might be raised on various local people's farms. We, we you know, um, carry the local uh, vendors' items also. So a lot of things goes on at the market. We have uh, also fresh-type um, cooked foods that we offer at various times. So, there's a lot of different things that we've grown into, so we wanted to keep that area going for uh, that neighborhood and that community, you know, to offer, you know, a change or a variety for fresh whole or, um, you know, organic grown items. And, and you've, you've told me in discussions before the, the it's a perfect fit for that community. They're, they're really appreciative that, that you're – 
you've carried on the legacy from the previous owner and and added some of your own touches to it as well. Yes, and and that was you know before that area was a, a big community. See, Johnson lies in between Springdale and Fayetteville. And it's kind of a little uh, best-kept secret thing. It's a small town, a small community. You know, they keep a family-oriented um, understanding of local. You know, every business in that little town, we try to support each other. We try to support, you know, um, local homegrown-type products. So, you know, there's a lot of other businesses in that area that you could visit also. So if you were to come to that, you know, town and visit Fruit of the Vine Market and, you know, take in some of those items there. You would also be able to go down the street to somewhere like Wright's Barbecue or across the street at Garden Organics and pick you up some supplies. Or, you know, there's a lot of different things that you could do in Johnson right there that, you know, offer you a great, you know, little time. So so it's, it's almost like you're not technically a an official farmer's market, but you, you have a network of other farmers you work with, you know, for product that they can sell there and, and everything. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a neat little old country style grocery store in some ways. That's what I would call it. I mean, you know, if you've ever, you know, grown up, I'm sure we all have, you stay at your grandma's, you did things where, you know, people jarred items or, you know, you, had items that you had in the summertime and and you know winter's coming so you want to you know jar up some things keep some things you want to go into other things like making soups or using different winter vegetables you know those are the things that we look at doing of course if you need certain items or things like that you can always go to the big box grocery stores but if you want a specialty item or you want something that you know took a little time to raise or there was a little more care or love put into it, you know, that's where you'd come for our items. Those are the things that you can't just buy the store anymore. So it sounds like the uh, the store's doing well. You're working with a variety of farmers. Um, what's going on in your head for the future? How, how are you looking at, at doing things, uh, you know, uh, in the near future and several years down the line? Well, we're – we got a bright future. I think we have a lot of things going on with friend farmers and, you know, a couple of partners we're working with. But uh, what I do want to say is that we have a lot of things that have to do with, you know, better products, fresher products, and, you know, a, a better variety of things. And, you know, with everything going on in the, you know, market, you know, as far as, you know, getting fresh organic or, you know, pasture-raised products, it's a process right now. So our future is looking more like making sure that process would, you know, benefit our customers better and, you know, you have a better access to those products. So right. um, it's a it's a, it's a a bright future, I think, for Fruit of the Vine Farm and Fruit of the Vine Market. But um, – one thing I would like to say is we have a new website that's going to be coming online pretty soon, and you'll be able to go on and see that at www.fruitofthevinemarket.com. And, you know, that's a place that, you know, online services are becoming a big thing. You could also call ahead to the market, and um, that number is um, 479 575 
1499 and you know you could always put in an order or you know have us uh, put something aside for you you could pick it up that way you know it's curbside pickup you know all that we offer all that because we want to try and be a you know a customer service oriented you know business well he is Adrian Sopshire a farmer outside of Mulberry at Fruit of the Vine Farm, runs Fruit of the Vine Market up in Johnson between Springdale and Fayetteville. And Adrian, man, I can't wait to come up to Johnson and and see the market in person. It sounds great. And thank you so much for being a guest on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Well, I appreciate you having me, Greg, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again whenever we can. Thanks. Finally, Key Sutton gets the latest from Arkansas Farm Bureau State Affairs Director Jeff Pitchford on what's happening with Arkansas Farm Bureau's priority issues during the ongoing legislative session. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today I'm visiting again with Jeff Pitchford, the Director of our Public Affairs and Government Relations Department. Jeff, uh, I know uh, still a lot of things going on uh, down at the Capitol, and uh, we want to give you the opportunity uh, to do a weekly update once again. Well, thanks, Keith, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, finished a full month now of the legislative session, and so we're at that that point where a lot of things are starting to move and starting to happen, and we're certainly starting to see that. Uh, with the bills that uh, Farm Bureau is interested in and and, uh, and are sponsoring and, and, and pushing. So <clears throat> a lot of things happening. This week coming up, the uh, meat inspection bill, uh, reestablishing the state meat inspection program through the Department of Agriculture, that bill has made it through the House and will be in the Senate this week. We expect that to be uh, later in the week uh, to be heard by the committee. Also in being heard is in the Joint Budget Committee is the Arkansas Department of Agriculture's bill. Uh, This is the bill where the funding for the state meat inspection program would be located. So really, we've got a lot of momentum on on the bill that establishes the state meat inspection program. We We need everybody when they contact their legislators and talk to them to say, hey, we need that program and we need it funded. We're asking for $750,000 in eight positions in the Department of Agriculture. And while that's a big ask, uh, we think that's going to be able to have the type of program we, we want and should be able to, to do what they need to do for, for several years. Also in the Senate uh, Ag Committee this week, they'll be uh, looking at a package of bills concerning levy districts and their operations. These are also important to Farm Bureau as our members have said, hey, we want that process and how the levy districts operate to be a little bit more transparent and a little bit more uh, brought up to speed and up to date. And so there's uh, four bills there, and it looks like they'll be on that agenda uh, as well. And so those are all, those are a couple of our top priorities. And so we're going to see them really get going and and uh, get they're at the halftime, uh, so to speak. And so now they're now they're in the other side of the other chamber and and can really start going. <clears throat> um, we uh, are looking at uh, 
going to the governor's office, the uh, Lemon Law, the change in the Lemon Law, that would make sure all Class Three vehicles, those are your duly pickup trucks, uh, they would be covered under the Arkansas Lemon Law. And that bill has gone through both the House and the Senate and is going to the governor. So that will probably be our first bill from our priority list that will be signed by the governor and made into law. Uh, but we've seen other things get filed this uh, past week, and we'll start the process probably this week. One is on the uh, uh, forest scholarships. This is from the forestry department asked us, and we put it on our priority list to uh, use some existing monies that the forestry department has to establish uh, a, some scholarships. They're having a, a shortage and trying to find trained uh, folks to go into the forestry business and be a forester. And so this would set up a scholarship program, no new money, uh, just using existing dollars, and hopefully would create a, a workforce that the, the forest services could uh, could do. So that bill got filed, and they've had a conversation on uh, creating a forestry center uh, of business down at the University of Arkansas Monticello. Um, that's that will funding, and that's going to be a hard thing to do, but. Uh, they did have that hearing in, in the joint budget last week, and so we'll be working to follow up with legislators on that and how important the forestry industry is to Arkansas and the whole agriculture picture. And so, as you can see, we, we've got several things going on and, and, and happening. We're still working on some tax issue bills that will affect the General Assembly or affect agriculture and get them filed in the General Assembly, so we're still you know, working on, on those. Um, and while we want everyone to continue to work on uh, talking about the need for broadband access, especially in rural Arkansas, uh, the funding for that that is, will take place probably toward the end of the session. We certainly need everybody to continue to, to uh, make those discussions and have those discussions with their legislators. So, and Keith, uh, we're uh, we're still in the beginning stages, but uh, we're uh, we're starting to see a lot of dancing going on, and and uh, and things are starting to move. Well, we know uh, this time of year uh, when the session's going on, uh, you, you and your fellow staff members are down at the Capitol working very very hard uh, to cover those priority issues in particular. I know uh, a lot of people, Jeff, are, are asking about uh, are, are we going to be able to do Farmer's Day at the Capitol again? And uh, with COVID, that's not going to be a possibility. Do you want to speak to that uh, briefly? Sure, I, I sure can. You know, that was one of the best days of the year. It was always an exciting time to yeah. have our members come to the Capitol, and it's always a big deal. We'd always have. 125, 150 or so, and and really from all over the state. It was just kind of a, a neat way for everybody to get together, kind of a mini mini convention or so of, yeah. of our members. But it also highlighted agriculture, farming, and and uh, you know with the legislator and and legislators like that. They like meeting the folks from back home and getting to yep. visit with them and talk about agriculture. So. Very disappointed that we weren't able to have it. Understand with COVID nineteen, it is kind of a different. If you have ever been in the Capitol, if you come in now, you have to be scanned at the door and given these stickers to allow you to go to certain places, and everything's roped off. And there's 
hand sanitizer stations everywhere and everyone's in a mask and it's not very crowded. It's not very uh it's just it's just a lot different uh than 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 usual trying to protect everybody as much as possible. So the bottom line is we can't have a farmers day at the Capitol, but we'd like to have a farmers virtual week at the Capitol. Uh-huh. And that's gonna start uh, next Monday the fifteenth and run through Friday the twentieth. And so uh, Year Shop Keith, Public Relations, and everyone else here at Farm Bureau is trying to help coordinate and, and do that. You'll need to check our social media platforms and and be able to see some of the videos and things that on, all the folks down there are putting together. But we need everyone to be involved, and this is how, how we want folks to be involved, is um, we want as many counties as possible to hold virtual events with our legislators during this week. So that could mean your county could could contact your local legislator and put together a Zoom meeting, uh, maybe through social media uh, or other platforms, reach out to, to, their, to their legislators, talk to them about our priority list, thank them for their support. Or if anybody out in the county wants to make a little video, we'd love to have someone do a quick, it doesn't have to be long, 30 seconds or less, little video uh, maybe showing their operation or showing them out uh, in the field and and uh, just talking about, hey, we, we need broadband out here in rural Arkansas or we need to, f- to fund the state meat inspection program. Whatever the case may be, whatever is close to your county, make a little video. You can send it in to the to, uh, Farm Bureau. Jenny Higgs is our person that's going to be coordinating that and you can just email her the the video. It's Jenny J E N N Y dot Higgs H I G G S at A R F B dot com. Uh, but you can also reach out to your district directors or give us a phone call. I know we'd love to have those kind of things, and we want to put them together and then uh, show our legislators, hey, here's the folks back home, and they're still farming, they're still putting it together, they're still working through all this, and. And hey, some of the things you're doing are important to us, and we we really need their help. So, it's not as good as actually being at the Capitol, but uh, it'll, it's, it'll have to do. And and we hope we can put together something to show that, hey, we we might not be there in person, but we can have a virtually. We can be there, and we still have a presence in the state. Absolutely, that's uh, that's a good report, Jeff. A lot of things. Uh starting to click and uh, that's good information i encourage uh, everybody listening if uh, we can help you uh, put together those short videos you can always give us a holler in our pr department uh jenny higgs is uh, kind of heading that up as jeff said also some of you know ashley wallace uh she's another person that'll be involved you can uh, send those to her at ashley Wallace at ARFB.com, just like you would think it would be spelled, I think. And uh, we'll be hoping to get some of those uh, videos from out on the farms and share those with folks down at the Capitol. So, Jeff, uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to next week's report, hopefully more good things going on, and uh, appreciate you taking time again this week to get everybody up to date. 
You bet, Keith. We'll see you next time. That's it for this week's Arkansas AgCast. Thanks for joining us. Look for a new episode next Thursday for more news on the state's largest industry.